Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Well, g'day and welcome to the Spirit of Sport on Sydney's newest home of sport, 1170 SEN. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. I'm so glad you're able to join us for tonight because we have Cronulla Sharks halfback, Chad Townsend, an amazing player over his 10-year career in the NRL. He's played over 175 games for both the Sharks and the Warriors, but he's most well-known for helping guide the Sharks to breaking their 50-year-long premiership drought five years ago in 2016. It only seems like yesterday, but boy... Did he have a cracker of a game? I was at the game, and boy, did he play well. I tell you what, he steered that ship that led the Sharks to victory. I thought it was all over in the last minute, but it wasn't to be. The Sharks had their day, and he played a vital part of it. Today, of course, he's part of the first grade squad and looking to assert their dominance again in the NRL. But Chad's also an entrepreneur. He's a media personality, and he hosts his own podcast. He's worked very hard for his life after football, even though there's many years left, and I really admire him for really taking his destiny into his own hands. Chad Townsend, welcome to the Spirit of Sport. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. It's great to be here. Well, I want to thank you because actually what, what sparked the fire in me, because I used to do a lot of interviewing back in the day, and I hadn't done it for a long time. I did miss it, and then you graciously asked me to, to come on your show, your podcast, and and, uh, you know, it lit a fire in me about, you know, really taking things back into your own domain and, you know, sowing little seeds of, of, of where you want to be again, and, which is hard to do when, you know, you've, you've done it for a long time and, you know, it was, it was a hard thing for me to do. But I, you know, thank you for, because I picked your brains about what equipment to buy and then I started my own podcast and it really was grooming me for this opportunity that came with SEN because I, you know, you got to get back in the swing of, uh, of interviewing. And yes, I want to thank you because it was really the podcast that I did with you that really started this whole journey. Don't ask for any money from, from, (laughs) don't don't ask for a management commission. I forgot. I'm talking to you, not gals. I'm sorry. (laughs) Paul Gallen, one of the best. Oh, no, so, th- so thank you, mate. Uh, and let, look, before we get into it, I want to uh, start with some getting to know you questions. You cool? Yeah, for sure, definitely. First concert? Uh, Foo Fighters. First job? Uh, pizza delivery boy. A pizza boy? Ooh. Yeah. Where for, can you say? Domino's in oh, England. Only Domino's will do it. Most embarrassing yeah. moment? Uh... Probably when I was at TAFE, I was a, 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 I finished school. There was a, a classmate of mine who was sitting on the ground and I uh, needed to step over them. And as I stood over them, I accidentally farted in their face. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big accident, very embarrassing. <laughs> well, can I share a story there? Because uh, I know this is about you, but I was actually, what, back in the day, I was, uh, I was, um, lifting with Chris McKenna. You remember the Centre yep, for Queensland yep. and so forth? And, and you know, he was be- bench-pressing something very heavy and I accidentally let one go right on his <laughs> face. Right, <laughs> he almost dropped the weight. And uh, <laughs> it could have been fatal, I'm telling you. He, to this day, he thinks I did it on purpose, but I'm telling you. <laughs> Do you have a favourite movie? Uh, yeah, it would have to be probably American Gangster. Great movie. Russell Crowe, Denzel? 
Yeah, yeah, great movie. Isn't that great? You know the the you know the 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 flawed character of Russell Crowe being a an an, an amazing honest you know police uh policeman working for the good detective mm. you know yet yet he's a bad father bad husband and yet on the other side yeah. you've got Denzel Washington's a full crook but loves yeah. his family loves his mum and oh the characters in that mate it's just yeah. brilliant awesome. movie pet hate uh probably when people don't put things back where they belong oh you and my missus would get along really really well <laughs> <laughs> Because she kept saying to me, put your undies in the bin. I go, but I left them every time the same place, but it's not the right place. <laughs> is, is Marissa, she, uh, is she tidy? Uh, she's, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I've got two kids, Steve, and one on the way. So, um, you know, our house looks like there's a bomb going off, you know, every single day. <laughs> a person from history you'd like to have met? Um, that's a great question. Look, I'd have to say... Um, maybe Picasso. Oh wow! Yeah, I just think that you know, like you hear so much stuff about you know people back in the day, and you know some of the hardships that those people went through, and, and quite often the people that go through those hardships are the most creative and have the the most intriguing stories to tell. And I feel like he would be someone who would have a great story. You know, it's, it's. I was just watching comedians in cars with Jerry Seinfeld, and um, he, he was, one of the guests he was interviewing was talking about another comedian and and just saying how hard he had it as an upbringing. And I think the the person's dad was a was a um, a brothel owner, and you know he he really saw the rough side of sort of life. And yet Jerry Seinfeld turned that around. He said, "What ammunition? What?" ammunition to make something out of your life and to turn it around and to even mm. use those experiences, use the, the hard times to propel you towards your, your destiny. So yeah, yeah, uh, I'm with you. I didn't know you were a, a Pablo Capas. Well, yeah, obviously you can't, um, you know, none of us are in that realm yet to afford one of his. <laughs> have you Maybe seen, Gal. Have you got Gal? <laughs> he just keeps fighting. <laughs> Those yeah, millions of dollars just keep... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, just, I, I could be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. I can't see poor Gal spending it on a Pablo Picasso. No, no, he wouldn't shout me a coffee. <laughs> Even if he was getting it free, I'll tell you what. No, no, no. Uh, Something you wish you were better at. Uh, I wish I was better at golf. I love golf. I'm off the 12 handicap, but I want to get down to single figures, and I want to, you know, I want to, I want to get into it a lot more. So, yeah, just golf for sure. The thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? Uh, probably when I was on my L's, I took my car for a joyride. I didn't have my full license yet, and I was only 16. I just just drove the car around the block with a few mates, but one of my good mates is mum was out for a walk and she saw us so yeah that's probably oh, that they ripped you did they ground you was there groundings <laughs> back in the day did people ground or uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't get grounded I just got the uh, you know I was very disappointed that, that those ones yeah the biggest thing you've been nervous about uh, probably probably my NRL debut I didn't sleep for two nights before the game against the Broncos wasn't it against the Broncos in 2011 yep. that's right that's right What's a lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Uh, I think that yeah, as you grow older, you definitely get more wiser from the experiences that you go through. And I think, you know, obviously everyone loves winning, but I think 
losing really teaches you the most lessons. And I think obviously like I'm, I'm very grateful that I get to play professional sport and rugby league and it's the lessons I've learned from losses uh, that have really taught me the most. And I think it translates over to life. You know, you, mm. in life, you, you can win and lose, and it's about what you do next. You know, how, how do you learn from the situation? How do you grow and become better next time? So that, that's um, a key you know, point. Yeah. yeah. That's a I'm key grateful point. For the, for the losses. I'm grateful for the losses that I've had. Yeah, for sure. So that, that, that's a key point because I um, see a lot of people would believe that, oh, you know, if they've got experience, you know, then, you know, that that's that was a great thing. But really, it's only evaluated experience that counts. It's what you're saying, really. It's where you've had the experience and then you've looked back and you said, okay, how can we do this better? How can we? Yep. But that's like, like you're saying, that's in life, whether it's in relationships or your business. 100%. Things, yeah, 100%. That's why I think rugby league is, don't you agree, to like one of the greatest preparations for for that that. For, for your business world, for, for your outwork dealings, you know, it's because it's teaching you on a weekly basis. You're always reflecting on your game and how do you find that watching yourself and then going over? Do you have a, do you have a halves coach or do you, do you have a... Yeah, look, oh, we have a, our assistant coach who pretty much looks after our attack and, you know, I meet with him really quite often and I, I talk to him almost every single day. Obviously, you know, refining our game both as a team and, and then obviously as an individual as well, being a halfback, you know, I'm pretty vocal in how I would like the team to be run and what plays we should do and, and calling plays as well. So, you know, and, and then obviously, you know, listening to, to feedback as well. You know, there's times where I, I'm, I'm open to feedback all the time and there's times where I agree with the feedback and there's times when, when I don't. But at the end of the day, like, the feedback's there to try and make me a better player and a better person. So um, I always listen to the feedback, you know, take it on board, and then, you know, you move on to, to what's next. Well, see, Chad, that's what, I think that's been a real key for your, your success, to be honest with you, the fact that you have grown so much as a player. I mean, let's let's take you to, I mean, let's take you to really, I mean, you made your debut with the Sharks, you're playing there, and then obviously you 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 leave for the Warriors. I mean... There must have been a, a tough sort of because obviously growing up in the area, you mentioned Engadine and and so yep. forth. Sharks are the team you want to you want to play for, and then having them in a sense, you know, not go after you as as possibly as they could. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely tough at the time. I remember you know as a kid growing up, I, I grew up in the Shire, I played for Yarwarra Tigers, it's a local club in the area, and you know I watched you play on the hill, Steve. I watched you and, and many others on the hill and the family hill with my flag and all I wanted to do was play for the Sharks and mm. I achieved that in 2011, lived my childhood dream and then um, over the next uh, few years, uh, the, the season after my debut, I had a pretty serious sternum injury, missed a lot of the year and uh, then the Sharks had signed uh, some some other guys in front of me and I was kind of third in the pecking order for the halves and then after that, 2000, or during that 2013 season, I had the conversation with my manager and I just said to him, look, you know, I, I don't want to play here anymore. I want to move elsewhere. I don't want you to negotiate with the Sharks. And uh, Shane Flanagan was, was head coach at the time. And uh, anyway, my my agent started speaking to a few teams and, and it was pretty much down to a two-horse race between Penrith and the Warriors. And I went and had a Chinese lunch at Pavania with Phil Gould and, uh, you know, we just discussed the option of going to Penrith. And I, I, I liked the idea, but it wasn't fully sold on me. And then obviously the other option was the Warriors. And, I met with their management and Matt Elliott, who was the coach at the time. And, uh, you know, I was 
I was pretty, I guess, apprehensive at the start to, you know, move my life to New Zealand. But then once mm. I sort of started speaking to speaking to the management and understanding what the club was about and obviously the move to New Zealand, I was like, you know what, like, this is going to cause me the most growth both personally and professionally right now. I get to move to New Zealand, another country, get paid a different currency, and I get to just focus on footy. I won't have any distractions over there. It'll be 100% focus, focus, focus. And and anyway, I walked back into – I made the decision to sign there, sign the contract, walk back into the finance office, and I just said, mate, I've, I've decided to I've, – I have signed with the with the Warriors. So, um, yeah, that was that. And then moved across the ditch and, uh, you know, very thankful and – uh, very, you know, very excited of the prospect of going over there, and then, you know, had, had a great time with my two years over at the Warriors. So tell us about the because it's a different culture, in New Zealand. It's a, and also it's not the number one sport there. You know, obviously it does play yeah. second fiddle to to rugby union. Um, yeah. <laughs> how how was the whole, whole atmosphere? How was the um? Yeah, did you adapt well to? Was there was there much of a, a culture shock for you? Yeah, uh, not really. You know, being in that in in the rugby league culture, you know, it's not too different over there. I guess, you know, the thing that was obviously the most different um, to over here was obviously, uh, you know, the plays. There was a little bit more players with Polynesian backgrounds. And obviously, you know, we have a number of uh, fantastic Polynesian players over here in Australia, but the Warriors are probably made of, I guess, the highest percentage. Obviously, they have a lot of juniors as well there. So, mm. um, you know, I, I was. I was very, very lucky. I, sl- I slipped into that playing group straight away and felt really comfortable with within within the squad and, and play with a number of outstanding players. You know, guys like um, Manu Vadave, Sam Tompkins, Ben Madalino, Sam Rapira, Jerome Ropardi. Uh, you know, the list goes on of guys who I was very thankful to, to, to play with. But I think the biggest difference culturally uh, was just probably how, how the playing group's are like with one thing I really uh, noticed was the difference in how Australians and Kiwis train, and I, and I think you know Australians are a little bit more uh, probably on the front foot, a bit more verbal, and, and will really get into your face and tell you what you think when it's time to train and, and rip into each other. Where mm. uh, my time at the Warriors, people you know they have a little bit more respect for each other. You know, the, the, there's a, a brotherhood culture over there, and, and they the respect is very high on their on their priority. So I don't think there's, there's a right way to go about it, but you know, there, there was some differences and those were probably it. But do you think it's a respect thing or do you think sometimes it's an avoidance of confrontation because, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting hmm. you say that, you know, it, it could be that. Um, and, and then again, obviously, you know, the cultures are very different. Like it's, it's hmm. the Australian way of life is different to the, the Kiwi way of life. You know, Kiwis, are, you know, their, their pace of life is probably a little bit slower than us in Australia. And, and being in the big city and the hustle and bustle of Sydney and, and even like the, the media and, and how everything uh, is, is headed toward players as well. And obviously, as you mentioned, you know, that the, the rugby union over there is the number one sport. So they, they get a lot of the, a lot of the coverage over rugby league. How do you, uh, you know, that aside, how do you handle confrontation? What, what kind of, how would you describe yourself? Uh, look, yeah, I'm pretty good. I think, you know, as a kid, I always felt like, you know, when I came into the NRL, I, always, you know, wanted to really earn the respect of my my colleagues and my elder teammates and, res- and respect the guys that have gone before me. And as I've gotten older, you know, that obviously, you know, we're in a confrontation sport. So 
you know, you, but not so much the, not so much the physical, more the the um, the addressing the, of you know the the addressing players maybe who aren't. You know, oh pull, yeah, pulling no, them in, and or, or, yeah, even to sure. me also, even with your, even with your wife, how do you, how do you navigate? You, do you, do you hold it in? Are you, are you? Because I, I traditionally hold it in, and I see the <laughs> no, bit, look, I, and I say, I, oh, I, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong, and then one day I'm just going. <laughs> I like, I like to think I'm a bit of a different person at training and at home. I think you know, at training, obviously it's time to work, and you know, if I think there's someone in my squad who. I don't think it's pulling their weight. I have no hesitation in going up to them and telling them what I what I think and what I expect of them. And, but how, and at do, you, the end how of do you do that? How, like, how do, are you firm with them? Are you are you? Yeah, um, I think it, I think it, it definitely it's there's not one successful way to do it with every single person. Every single person has a different personality. That's true. So you need to approach them with what what could work with them. You know, obviously, some people may be a little bit defensive. Some people take it on board. Some people don't take it on board. But at, look, at the end of the day, it's if I'm having a conversation or a confrontation about someone, someone who I think is not pulling their weight, it's, I'm only saying it because I care. And if I didn't care about them or, or the team, I just wouldn't have the conversation. So I think when you keep that at the forefront of your mind, you know, it's going to be all right. No, that, that's really good because I, I think I've learned, you know, I'm a slow learner, but, you know, to when it comes to confrontation, not to wait, you know, try not to wait, confront it, yeah. whether it's big or small, you know, tackle, yeah. tackle go to the root causes as yep. quick as you nip can it in the bud. nip it yep. in the bud because otherwise it festers it grows and and yep. uh, you know like so yeah so that's 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 it but with it with, but being over there i mean the the style of football that they play they've always they've always been known for like a flamboyant uh style where you know when there are days where they're popping balls and then there are days where they're just not on but did you find consistency was an issue there because it's a, traditionally, that's always been a, a sort of something that's marked the Warriors, and and uh, they've produced some of the most amazing players. Don't get me wrong, but consistency. I know. I remember when Matty Elliott was over there because I played with Matty Elliott at, at the Saints, and I know Hyney's sort of agenda was was you know consistency, which is what you are as a player. Yeah, definitely. Look, you know that, that's probably that probably explains why we finished ninth and tenth. You know, both seasons when I was over there, you know, we, we lacked a little bit of consistency across the season. You know, we had, we had some outstanding periods. We were in the eight for a lot, a lot of the year. Mm. And then, you know, for some reason or, or not, we, you know, we just dropped out towards the back end. So, um, you know, one thing I do know is that I do really respect the way that the, the Warriors play their football. And, and you know, that, as you mentioned, they've had some outstanding players who have, you know, made ex- outstanding careers mm. and been well known for, you know, New Zealand rugby league. But, you know, it's funny you say that because recently the Warriors have kind of changed their tactics a little bit. You know, they're, they're very high up there now in, in completion. So, Is that um, right? Is you that know, right? yeah, yeah, changing the mould, yeah. I think they're going to do well with Nathan Brown and obviously having Phil Gould there as well. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. It's, it's a real good thing. But um, just just on that, you're, you're there, the two years are up. Um, next thing you know, you're back at the Sharks. What was the process like? Few coming back. Did Flano call you? Did did an opportunity arise? Or yeah, so I actually um my my girlfriend who is now my wife Marissa. She um what a we were both lady. over there. She's a, <laughs> we were, she's a cracking yeah. lady, mate. What a, she's a she's she's like a real woman of substance. That girl, I tell you what, she really <laughs> is. I appreciate anyway, that. Yeah, yeah, look, we were and we were both over there. Above the average, but that's, a, that's just another point. We don't need to go into it. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, look, we were we were both over in New Zealand, and um, 
my wife's mother has uh, been diagnosed with bowel cancer and we were pretty keen to move back to Australia. So I went into the coach's office at the time. I just said, look, mate, um, you know, uh, my partner's uh, mother has bowel cancer and she's been, you know, struggling really bad. She's been in and out of hospital and in and out of intensive care and we wanted to move back to Australia. And I didn't have a contract lined up at that stage when I went in there. And then after that, or actually, sorry, at that moment when I said that to him, he offered me a three-year deal to stay at the Warriors on the spot. And I was like, look, mate, wow. like, you know, well, like, I really appreciate it. And, um, that says a lot. you know, but I'm, mm. I'm going to have to, mm. I'm going to have to knock it back. And, um, anyway, I, uh, got my agent to then, you know, make a few phone calls. And then interesting enough, it was Shane Flanagan was spoken to him, to my manager and said, you know, we'd love to have him back. Um, you know, what do you think? So we actually, we are actually playing the Sharks one week uh, at Shark Park and we went over there and we are obviously staying in the hotel the night before the game and, and that afternoon uh, went to meet Shane Flanagan in his office with my agent and we had a conversation. He was like, yeah, mate, like, you know, we'd love to have you back. I, I've loved what you've, you've done over there in the last two years and, you know, I really think you've, you've gotten better as a player and, you know, we've got a few key players that we want to target for next year and one of them was James Maloney and he wanted James Maloney and myself to being the halves for the following season, I was like, look, you know, that's, that's pretty enticing for me. Give me someone who I would like to play with. So, yeah, then, like, they sent through a contract offer the next week and we negotiated for a few weeks and then, boom, signed the contract and then, uh, yeah, moved back at the end of 2015 back to back to the Shire and then, you know, got oh. stuck into pre-season and head into that uh, iconic 2016 season. If someone would have said to you at the beginning of the year or – you know, at the end of that Warriors that you're going to go to Cronulla and you're going to win. You're going to go back to this club and you're going to make history. Do you reckon yeah. you would have believed it? I would have told him to probably shove it. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, people always ask me, like, you know, what's the, what's the, like, what's the best decision in your career and, and such and such. And I always say, like, the best decision of my career was obviously to come back to Cronulla because we won the comp. But the second best decision I ever did was to go to the Warriors. You know, I, I had a tremendous time over there. I'm very thankful for mm. for the club for giving me a chance when I was still I hadn't really proved myself yet in the NRL. I only played 20 games, and the Warriors when I went over there, I played pretty much every game in two years. And you know, I'm so thankful to that club. Well, look, look let's talk about that because, and I don't mean any disrespect at all, but there, there, there's. There's always festers of different, you know, the community in rugby league. They're very passionate, very vocal. And they're, they're, for a lot of your career, there always seem to be people nipping out the bud saying, oh, you know, is, you know, is, is, he, is he up for it? Is he going to take, is he going to take us to a grand final? Can he, can he, can he, can he, can he? And how did you, how did you sort of deal with that in your, in your own sort of, you know, your mental health, like with your own staying positive and just, you know, removing the white noise and so forth. Did you did you find that? Did you did that ever come to you? That kind of you know criticism? No, not at all. Look, I think you know one thing with professional sport is you've got to get used to people who have an opinion on you, and if you listen to every single opinion, it's just it's just not good. You know, the same person that that says to you you've you've had a really good game this week will criticise you and say you've had a poor game next week. So that's true. It's all white noise. It's all white noise to me, Steve. It's you know, there's there's people in my life uh, who I really value their opinions and um, you know I know at the end of the day I'm doing everything I can to, to be the best player I can be to be the best husband father a teammate um, you know I, I have great intentions and and 
you know, you just have to block it out. There's no other way. And that's the advice I'd give to a younger player who's coming yeah. into the game now, especially with especially with social media and, you know, the, the oh, access, the yeah. access that everyone has to, you know, everyone in terms of like DMs and, and all that sort of stuff. It's like you just have to block it out. You know, you, you get used to it. You move it on. You don't, you don't linger it. You don't keep reading, searching comments. You know, it, it's just not healthy. So, um, you know, when you're really grateful for what you've got in your life and you've got a good balance within your life, you know, everything's good. No, that's fantastic because I, I, I think that's a real, you know, positive, a real, you know, positive to your career has been the fact that you've, you've for me, you've always set such a high standard for yourself and, you know, you've, you've progressed to become a, a, like a, not only a really great player but a, a really good leader as well. Which is which? With all the great clubs have always had great leaders in and around their halves, their, their hookers. It's what's taken them to grand finals that year. Uh, yourself, um, Mick Innes, I thought as well. Mm. Just to, to the, this perfect balance that year you had of of experience, yet you had these young guns who just weren't intimidated by yeah. the, sort of the weight of the past that I was a part of, where. Is this going to be the year? It became a sort of in-house joke for the for the Sharks when they were going to win it. Going into that grand final, what was this? What was the week like? Yeah, look, I think you just hit the nail on the head there. Where you know we had a great mix. You know, look, you look at our team and our squad from that twenty sixteen season, and and our back line was just young, hungry guys with no fear. You know, Valentine Holmes, Jack Bird, Ricky Latelli, Becky, and then obviously you had Benny Barber and the and the class that he had at the back, and then. You know, in the halves, obviously, Jimmy and myself, we play a very different game. You know, I'm a little bit more structured and, and Jimmy's a little bit more X-factor. Then you look at our our forward pack and, and, you know, it's just experience. That's one word I think of. You know, Gallen, Lewis, Heinington, Tagatizi, Ennis, uh, Wade Graham, uh, you know, mm. Fafida. Like, you know, there's just experience, hunger, and, and, and Matt Pryor as well. You know, those guys, just they never took a step back. They were um, formidable in, in how they attacked their game. Uh, to answer your question, that that week leading into the the, the game, we were, we were very relaxed. We had a few media commitments, but one thing our senior playing group did uh, during that season, and um, I was still only I think I was twenty five uh, when we won the competition, so I was lucky enough to listen and learn from a lot of our leaders. Was you know we enjoyed and we enjoyed ourselves when we were off the field and we were very relaxed. But then once we stood over that white line and it was time to train the senior players really drove training and pushed us to train to our limits and get the best out of every single session, every single drill, which was possible. So once we, once it was game time, you know, we were primed and we knew the game plan and we played it to a tee. Well, Luke Lewis, well, I spoke to him after the game. He said, he said, Steve, everybody just did their job. Everybody, yep. like everybody, like one missed tackle and that's it. They score on and several, yep. several occasions. They were hunting your line for so long. I know, I, I, like I just, I just couldn't help but think, you know, like I, I was just, I was absolutely enthralled by the way you guys were just like. There was nothing. It just, I felt so confident you were going to win. I don't know how to explain it, but I was just like, there's just every single sort of thing they throw at you. You guys are just, you, you stayed calm. You just kept, kept bringing them down, and it was just, it was just one of the. I mean, at the end of the day, it could have gone. And, I mean, Cameron Smith throws a decent pass, which, yeah, he, which he does 99 out of 100 times. 
It just felt like it was it was meant to be. It just meant it was it was it was it was there in the, it was meant to be. So here's Ennis now. Fafita tries to crash his way over. He does. Fafita got the ball over the line. Michael Ennis and Ben Barber celebrate. They Mike. saw what I saw. I've got try. We all Confirmly saw what you it saw. Touched anyone else? Fafita's got it on the ground. We see Andrew Fafita maintains possession and grounds the ball in the end goal. Have a decision and going to the board. That's so it's a... going to be green lights. It's going to be 12 all with kick to come. Andrew Fafita has done it again. They're really into it as Melbourne with 45 seconds go to this man Chambers again. Munster. Corabetti. To the 30 metre line. Second tackle. Smith across Proctor to Brummage, then to Green. Now to Munster. Munster's outside 40. Flick passes. That's Hampton. Hampton gets it back to Green. Green gets it to McLean. And he'll be put to ground. That's the third goal. They're about two metres into enemy territory. It's gone away there for Cronk to give it out wide. Here's Corabetti. He's got them turning around. It's now with Vunavalu. Vunavalu, the season's top try scorer, got the ball away. Bromwich to Smith. Smith to Hampton. Hampton, can he find a gap? He gets the ball away. It's back to Smith. Smith gets it away to Cronk. Cronk's got Corabetti with it. Have they got a chance here? Corabetti's put down. The siren sounds. Cronulla have won it. Cronulla have won it. 14 to 12. You can turn the light out now. Look at this. Amazing scenes from the Olympic Stadium. Look at this. One thing, one thing that we did that year was we played for each other. You know, we we, we backed each other up. We defended our backsides off, and we used to do this drill actually with our coaching staff, where we would be defending our try line. But what we would have is we'd have eight guys in defence, and then we'd have thirteen guys in attack. So oh, yes, yeah. obviously, the, the attack has a, a quite a, a big overlap, and it's up to the guys in defence to just keep moving, keep. You know, we call it tying up, covering each other's inside shoulders and um, moving together as a unit. And if you watch that, you know, that last minute back in the grand final, you'll see there's a moment where you'll pause it, where you'll see our whole right edge, which is Luke Lewis, myself, Jack Bird and Valentine Holmes, all on the opposite side of the field where we should be positionally. And then we all run back to the other side, our side of the field. And then the ball obviously goes back the other way and just, just the movement, the, the the care, the the hunger of wanting to win. Um, you can clearly see what it meant to us to, to, to win that game, and uh, you know we were just lucky enough that we we, we created history, and yeah, it was uh, an incredible week after that. You know, you've been from the, the going from the Yarrawarra Tigers to to where you are. Were there any mentors, specific mentors you had along the way that that really helped you, you know, navigate your career? Um. Oh, I, I was actually, 
one of my one of my best mates actually. He was uh, a groomsman at my wedding. He he was uh, he's a little bit older than me, but we we played at Yarwara together. He he played in a number of he was he's about six years older than me, and he played in in the seniors uh, when I was coming up. And he always used to you know. Uh, come watch our games and, and became really good mates with him over the years and he always used to just ring me and check me in on me and, and it's actually formed us to be you know pretty much best mates now so um, his name is Grant Smith I'll shout him out because you know he's been there for me for my, for my whole life and always looked up to him as, as a father um, and, and how he operates you know his family life and his work so mm. um, yeah definitely shout to him It's so important that you think for because we're really we're in a generation of I think lacking mentors, to be honest. With yeah. You. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, absent fathers, physically absent, yep. but also sometimes the fathers in, in a household have never been really fathered themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they don't know how, to, even with good intentions, they don't know how to to be the dad they they want to be they that they could be. Um, yeah. What was your What was your dad like, um, parenting wise? What did you learn from him? Yeah, look, my, one thing I learned with, you know, growing up with my dad, he he had an incredible work ethic. His work ethic was just second to none. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a kid, you know, when we used to wake up before school, he would obviously wake up really early and go to work and, and get home. And then, you know, dad would always, he'd volunteer. He'd be our coach, our trainer, our manager. He was always uh, around our footy team when we were kids. So um, I think that's all you can ask for, you know, you, you, your dad to be involved and, and have a good work ethic. And I think that's where, that's where I, you know, got my work ethic from is definitely my my old man, and that's something you know I want to teach in, into my children as well. Let, let's focus a bit more on on your career that you're building, and I've got to say, like I, I I saw you on Fox Sports, and I've seen you, you know, SEN, and I just see you knocking on doors and really building something special in terms of a media <laughs> career. Um, there are certain certain players, I guess, where. You know, they because of their profile, they come the networks and the the they come really knocking on <laughs> on your door. But I love the I loved your I love your story more than more than theirs because you know that someone said to me once when the door's not walking when the door's um, uh, closed build a door. Yeah, there's no do- build a door so they can knock. I stuffed that up. I said that wrong. But you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> if the door's not knocking, build the door so they can knock. And I'm like, yeah. uh, I'm like, really? That's what, really I, I, like with your own. You got your YouTube channel. Uh, you, you're doing it a fair bit elsewhere. Um, is that always something you've been interested in media or? Yeah, always, always. Since I was a kid, I was always. You know, I grew up in the '90s. I grew up watching guys like like Jackass on MTV, Rob Dyrdek. You know, even like the, the earlier footy show days with you know yourself and Trent the Flight Steward. Like that's the <laughs> that's the era where I grew up and, and I fell in love with you know TV and, and filming yourself and you know doing stunts and, and bike jumps and all and all that stuff. And as I've gotten older and even now into my career. You know, I've started a YouTube channel where I film some blogs and, and just show some behind-the-scenes content of what my life's really like. You know, at the end of the day, I'm I'm a father of, of two, soon to be three kids. I go through the same troubles that everyone else does, but I just play footy on the weekends. And uh, I started a podcast as well, which has uh, been incredible. I've been able to talk to some, some amazing guests, you know, yourself included, and some teammates of mine where, you know, I'm able to sit in a studio, which is set up in my spare room at home, and talk to my teammates on a deeper level than I usually would be, you know, if I was sitting in the, in the sheds or the change rooms, uh, at, at training. So I feel like I can, I've grown that connection and it's really taught me, you know, how to, how to manage meet people and, and learn and understand their story. But 
you know, I think it's extremely important to put in time to, to your hobbies outside of football. And I've always found that when I'm playing my best football, I've got a great balance in my life of football, hobbies, and my family. So um, that, that for me, that balance creates happiness. And when I'm happy, I'm playing my best footy. And yeah, you know, if I'm, if I'm being dead serious, I've got an, an ambition to jump into the media post-career. I've actually uh, already lined up a few uh, radio uh, calls this year with SEN, which I'm really excited about. Isn't that great? That's so, so good. I mean, I mean, that's the whole thing about creating your, your own destiny. Anyone who's, you know, so many people, they think, because oh, you, you might have talent, that needs to be developed, but you're kind of waiting for the opportunities to come. But... You've, you know, you've got to, you know, you've got to go out and make the opportunity. Yeah. You've got to, you, you, definitely. You've got to because, because I, I think you, your passion. You've turned your hobby, your passion, into now a career that's going to serve you for for some time. I believe. When and, and it reminds me of Joel Kane as well, who uh, he was very good commentator. No one was knocking on the door. He continually uh, just taped himself for full games. Uh, commentating on rugby league games and kept submitting it, kept submitting it, kept submitting it um, until finally a door opened for him. And I just thought far out all those hours that he put in in perfecting his call and and obviously you, you grow as you, you get live experience, but I just thought all that unseen work and, you know, if anyone's listening, don't be afraid of the unseen work, don't be afraid of small beginnings. It's it's the small yeah, things, small beginnings Big things grow that's where it's from made. small. It is. It is. Yeah, that's that, that's where it's made. You know what? What when when people aren't watching or people aren't around? You know, especially you know, obviously we've been in, in in football, but then anything that anyone wants to do, I think you know, you got to start somewhere. And you know, I started my YouTube channel and my podcast where I had like, you know, I literally had twenty views on, on my first podcast, and you know, now I've been able to really grow that into a. Um, you know, a lot bigger reach, but it's because of the you know the little bit of time and effort I put on the side of of my career and built to it is what it is today. So no, I mean um, the last time I checked, it was yeah. 50, fifty views, but still that's <laughs> double. You know, <laughs> 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 hey, you also still, look. This came out of the blue for me. Uh, the entrepreneur side of you has that always been there? You've started your own beer label. Tell us, tell us that story. Yeah, look, it always has been. I've always, you know, thought to myself, I'd love to have my own business and love to do something uh, where I could run and build a brand. And then uh, my best mate, um, you know, who I've known since I was five years old, who we started playing footy together, we we always tossed up you know, a few ideas about, you know, starting a business and what that would look like. And then uh, he came to me in, in 2019 and uh, tossed up this idea about, you know, a small independent craft beer company Crowell Beerco and I was like mate uh, absolutely love the hairs on the back of my neck started to, to poke up and then you know the next day we registered the business name we, we formed a bit of a team and, and you know we, we've pretty much uh, got the ball and just ran hard and straight like we jumped into the in- industry and uh, we launched we, we sold out of like our first four batches uh, in a row so we had to double our production and then we entered our beer in the the Gab's Hottest 100 Craft Beers in 2020 and we actually came in at the number 52 spot. So, um, that's that's, incredible. That's incredible. It's incredible because I've got to say, I've got friends in that industry and I remember them saying, mate, it's such a saturated market 
It was it was yeah. all, almost like saying you guys have got no hope. But I tell yeah. you, you guys have really carved out an awesome, awesome niche. Um, yeah. Did, so we did, just we just know we know we know what we we know what our messaging is. We know what our branding is. Yes. We know what our marketing is. We know what our target market is. And, so who taught you and that? I, who taught who taught you? That? Did you do any courses or anything, or was that just uh, something you just no? It's pretty much just things that you know. I've learned and my business partners have learned like there's there's four of us in the business now and you know we we just discuss and we meet you know once a week and we, we have a little bit of a group chat and you know just some of the things that we've all learned from from our other industries we just put it into that and uh, yeah we're, we're in the process now of finalizing getting a, a van and then you know hopefully at the end of the year we're able to you know employ one of the boys to run it run the day to day because um, obviously at the moment you know just before the season, Yes. Oh, with yes. the season starting, you know, I don't, I don't really have too much time on hand, so the boys understand that. So, um, yeah, like, like a footy team, you know, we we got a, a team and guys in positions, you know, handling the business, and, and that's just how we want to do it. Are you a good delegator? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, good. You know, I think oh, I'm, you know, the halfback. You know, I've got to be good. I've got to be good at delegating. I've got mm. to be good at um, communication, and, and you know, going back to what we spoke about before about. You know, if I think something's not going, you know, the way I think it should be, you know, you have to have a conversation and and have it straight away. Don't let it don't let it fester. So, you know, definitely comfortable with that. Well, we've got to shout out your mates. It all started in a in a garage. Adam Good, Tim Frowley, Ryan Gardner, and Daniel Wagsnaff, your your business yep. partners. Are yep, you, yep. You were all mates to start with. Yeah, yeah, all mates. So. Um, did you ever all worry that, that this could go south? Because <laughs> businesses have been known to, you know, they rise yeah, and nah, fall look, on fridges, but you're tightly we're, solid. Um, we're, we're, we're tight, we're solid. You know, we've, we've got all the protocols in place with our, you know, how the business is organised and how it's ran. You know, it's obviously, you know, that, that stuff's definitely important, uh, obviously in the setup phase. But, um, yeah, like the, the boys, uh, Tim, he's a professional photographer by trade, does weddings, and then uh, the other three boys, they own gyms uh, in the local area. So, uh, yeah, it's been an incredible ride so far and looking forward to what the future has, you know, in store for it. Mate, fantastic because I love people going out of the comfort zone. I love them taking a risk. And, you know, you've done that. You've done that with, you know, you, I really admire you as, as a father, as a, you know, as a, I don't know, as a husband. I shouldn't say that. But, <laughs> but uh, from, what, from what your wife says, you're a fantastic <laughs> husband. <laughs> but, but honestly, mate, you've, you're doing such a great job. You're such a great example to young kids uh, coming through. And this message of creating your own destiny um, through media or through, through the beer company, uh, it's just one that we can't reinforce enough to footballers because so many fall flat after it because they haven't prepared for life after. And, uh, you yeah. know, every time I see a footballer and I just, you know, happy to talk footy, I encourage them. But I want to, I always say to them, what are you doing, mate? How are you preparing for life after? Because, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a, it can be a challenging time exacerbated by the fact if you don't have something passionate that, that you want to go into. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I, I would reiterate that point, Chase. Whether whether you're a footy player or or not, I think you know, find find a passion, find what you're passionate about, and and just follow it. You know, I think it's super important that us as a regular community and us, us as players, you know, NRL alumni, for so to speak. You know, we look after each other. We make sure that people are okay because. You know, there are players who, who, who don't put the time in to, to post football and, 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 you know, that's extremely important because that's when, you know, life really starts. 
Absolutely, mate. Well, thank you so much, mate. Thank you so much. Oh, is that your little, oh it's your little bub. That's so good. <laughs> she's, well, my daughter's just brought a little uh, purse up to me, uh, asking me to close it for her. So. Oh, she's not asking for money. They'll be asking for <laughs> no, money. <laughs> she will be soon, though. <laughs> well, mate, thank you so much for your time. You got to, you know, it's a, it's a big week for you. So, uh, and all the best with the the new bub. Do we are we do we know what that is? Are we are we on the quiet on that? Uh, no, we, we don't we don't find out with our kids. We're, oh, we don't you have don't. Surprise! So we, yeah, we've got one girl, one boy, and then this one's uh, surprise. So yeah, during during the next week and a half. So you know, more exciting news. Wow, mate! Are you, are you? We're not talking about delegating. I'm not talking about. Are you be getting up at night during the season because that killed me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will be. I, I, really? I try to do what I, what I can, but then you know, like Mrs. understands that you know when I when I've got to prepare for a game, she takes. That's takes right. over the ropes. So, That's right. Yeah, it's, it's all about that balance, mate. It's all good. So good, mate. Well, thanks so much, and uh, all the best this week. And uh, uh, you know, all the best with your SEN stuff. Can't wait to hear you commentating on the footy as well. You, you've been practicing. You've been actually sitting with sitting with some games and going through comments and stuff like that. Or you just find yeah. that you've, you've been doing it so long. Yeah, you're okay. I'm okay, but I actually did the, the grand final last year with with SEN, and, and it was uh, it was awesome. Had a, had a really good time. So. Um, you know, managed to organise a few more games this year and hopefully, you know, can, can lock in a, a few more later in the year, but something I really enjoy, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, thanks everyone for listening in. You've been, uh, hope you enjoyed Chan Townsend, a man of many uh, uh, strengths, of, of many, many talents, I've got to say. Uh, I've taken a lot out of the interview. Um, for me, perseverance and just consistency and really he's a guy that's, that to the nth degree has has used his skills and uh, you know he's he's brought those skills into another field and he's doing exceptionally well. So thanks so much for listening in. Hey, if you don't uh, get a chance tonight, obviously next Sunday morning, five thirty to seven a.m. we replay this uh, this interview, but also you can listen to the eleven seventy SEN catch up app. All our great interviews are there. We've got some great ones: Brad Thorne, Steve Ward, Justin Langer. So many great interviews. Thanks so much for. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Listening. Thanks again, Chad, and have a great week. I'm Jason Stevens, and this is the Spirit of Sport.